From WHYY and Billy Penn, it is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolness from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up on this episode of the podcast, the bullpen run has begun and the Phillies so far standing on the sidelines, but some relievers that we had potentially earmarked as possibilities for the Phillies are no longer available. Who's left and are we worried that the Phillies will be heading into the 2024 season with an undermanned bullpen or at least a bullpen that's not as good as last year's? And what other fan bases other than the Dodgers, have had an exciting offseason with everything going so slow. I know um, it was you, Justin and Liz discussed on the last podcast how many top 50 free agents are still out there. There's still a ton of them out there as we record here late on January 22nd, 2024. And we will continue uh, with the, I believe it'll probably be the culmination in our Choose Your Own Adventure uh, baseball adventure uh, coming up here in just a couple of minutes as well that we started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was a lot of fun, so we'll see what new names are brought forth and uh, how we can get ourselves into trouble with all of that. Joining me as they do every Monday night or Sunday night, whenever we decide to record this thing, Justin Clue and Liz Rocher. Elizabeth, of course, you know from Yahoo Sports. Follow her on Twitter at Liz Rocher. Hello, Liz. How are you? It's Monday, right? It is Monday. Yeah, it feels like it, it, it was weird today. It didn't feel like a Monday. Felt felt kind of off. Felt a little it, odd maybe to anybody else. It felt like 2 o'clock by like 8.45. <laughs> Yeah, that happened. <laughs> that definitely I literally happened. looked at the clock and it was 8.45. Like, it's got to be 11, right? And I'm like, nope, you've been at work for 45 minutes. And then you looked up at the clock an hour later and time had actually reversed, uh, which yep. is which is odd, oh. which is definitely odd. But yeah, one of those, one of those, those Mondays. It's January doldrums, kids. Ooh, they're real. They are. They are the the January doldrums. The the low the well low winter sun. The lack of sun entirely. Oh. It can it can it can get to you. But that's why that's why you have hitting season. Whenever you're feeling those January doldrums, just pop those earbuds in and and give your old pals here at Hit Season a listen, and that'll brighten your day. <laughs> and get an SAD lamp. Get an SAD lamp and us. We are not yeah. a, a sole prescription. No, we electroshock we can be also taken helps. But in yeah. addition, with other prescribed medications. For sure, for sure, yeah. We don't want we don't want to be the only pill you take, so um, you know, just consult a physician first. Uh, Justin Clue from Baseball Prospectus also with us. Follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore Clue. Justin, how are you, bud? Well, I was going to complain about the Phillies giveaway that was announced today for July 11th. First, the Dodgers, which is a toy bullpen cart, but only for children 14 and under. And I didn't no. think children 14 and under would recognize what a bullpen cart is. <laughs> uh, they so would not. I was going to do that. But now, as we're recording, I believe if my numbers are correct, Joel Embiid is going to score 150 points on the Spurs all by himself. That's what I saw. And yep. that oh, has Spurs. stolen my imagination and focus. So that is uh, that is where I'm at. Yeah, we've reached the stage of the sports calendar where my mind will start to now turn towards the 76ers a little bit. Uh, usually I, <laughs> you know, get your heart broken, everybody. Oh, I know. I know. That's why, that, that's why it's always a slow and reluctant turn. Uh, but, but with the Eagles season over and the Phillies still, uh, kind of, uh, waiting around and, and, and by waiting, I'm not saying like waiting into a pool, trying to figure out exactly what they want to do. The 76ers and Joel Embiid are out here, throwing up ridiculous numbers I was is he is he over 60 yet I mean it was like 59 at the end of three quarters oh. I mean just uh yeah 59 at the end of three quarters and I have the sound off now so I'm not getting as uh frequent yeah. updates but it is the fourth quarter and by the time people are hearing this he will have done whatever he's done but they're all mm -hmm. now talking about Kobe's 81 uh and that's that's the mark that they that they're aiming for also I believe Carl Anthony Towns has scored 41 Yes. Uh, at the end of the second quarter tonight, so there's just something in the air today. Yeah. <laughs> something in the air all season. Offense has been up in the NBA. Catch an NBA game today, kids. You will not be unhappy. It is yeah, the, the, just baskets everywhere. This ain't your Pat Riley, Jeff Van Gundy, uh, uh, Knicks versus Pistons from the from the mid '90s. You know, this is this is something different uh, right now. What you got going on in the NBA? But this this is all about Major League Baseball. This podcast, and specifically is your it? Philadelphia yes. Phillies, and and we're going to talk Ooh. about the Phillies. But again, I just want to encourage everybody out there who's uh, who's listening to this podcast. There is one week left to vote for your pals hitting season in the sports podcast group's uh, best baseball podcast of 2023 vote. 
again, go to sportspodcastgroup.com and you can vote for Hit and Season. You can also vote for Justin's other podcast, The Dirty Inning, that he does with Dr. Trevor Strunk, or one of the other two podcasts that he does in addition to Hit and Season. Of course, there's also Absolutely Hammered. Both of those can be found on our Hit and Season Patreon at patreon.com slash hit and season. But uh, both The Dirty Inning and Hit and Season up for Best Baseball Podcast of 2023, so you can vote for either one of us. Go to sportspodcastgroup.com to do that. Just one week left. If you haven't gotten around to it, you've been pussyfooting around. Now is the time, kiddos. Don't waste any more time and uh, give us a vote. Pause the podcast if you have to and go do it and then and then come on back. As long as you've downloaded the podcast. You don't even have to restart it. That's okay. Um, all right. Let's jump into stuff here right now. And uh, the, the hot stove sparking a little bit, you know, just a couple here and there. It looks like the bullpen run is beginning uh, earlier uh, over the weekend. I think just after you guys recorded on Friday, Houston signed Josh Hader to a four-year deal for just under a hundred million dollars. Uh, no te- different, uh, different agents had been, Josh Hader's agent had been trying to get the Phillies engaged. He kept going through Heyman and Morosi and everybody else trying to connect Hader and the Phillies. And it didn't seem like it was ever really, Anything there? And, of course, now Houston, once they lost, um, uh, was it Graveman is their uh, uh, their, their relief pitcher, really yep. good relief pitcher for them, got injured and, and lost for the year in 2024. They uh, decided to go out and and add Hayter uh, as a replacement for a four-year, $100 million deal. Essentially gives the Astros a bullpen, much like they had uh, in 2022 when they beat the Phillies in the World Series. Uh, another move, the Angels locked up Robert Stevenson, who I know you guys talked a lot about on the last podcast. Um, a lot of folks saw him as a good option for the Phillies. He figured some stuff out with the Tampa Bay Rays in the last two-thirds of the season last year. He signs a three-year, $33 million deal with the Angels. And then the Pirates of all teams. The Pirates jump into the mix, and they signed a Raldis Chapman away from the Texas Rangers. Obviously, a lot of baggage with that guy. He's not the pitcher he used to be, but he still throws really hard. 3.09 ERA last year, 61 appearances, struck out 15.9 batters per nine innings, uh, but walks five and a half guys per nine. Just a 191 batting average allowed. The Pirates signed him on a one-year $10 million deal. Most likely, he becomes a trade chip at the trade deadline if the Pirates are not in it, but it sounds like the Pirates with, you know, you got Aroldis Chapman there, you got David Bednar there, you've got a pretty good little late inning punch just how many leads are those guys going to see late in games so that's kind of those are three pretty big names guys that uh that the phillies could have gone after they could have made a play for i don't think any of us really thought justin that they would make an actual play for for hater but stevenson was certainly in the mix uh and sounded like they wanted jordan hicks uh but uh they the giants signed him to be a starting pitcher for whatever reason so that that went off the board and araldus chapman i don't think the phillies had ever really been connected to him that didn't really seem like a real possibility but we've been searching for that craig kimbrell replacement and the search continues and the number of impact relief pitchers, late inning relief pitchers, is starting to dwindle. You know, I really had myself convinced they were going to get Robert Stevenson. That just made too much sense, it felt like, especially after, like you said, Jordan Hicks went to San Francisco to be a starter. Stevenson and Hicks were really considered 1A and B after Hader on that uh, late inning relief market among like hard throwers and right-handers. But it sounds like the plan is to wait out the dreamers on the market for the Phillies who think they can be starters and then sign the best guy from the remaining group, which means they're willing to spend, but not that much on a reliever. I don't know. It feels like they, they want to spend a sane amount on a reliever, which is comforting and discomforting. But uh, I, I think uh, it was Scott Lauber who reported Dombrowski said, I've got a list of names and all that. Once they yeah. get done with holding out for the promised spot in the rotation with another club, they can start looking and say, hey, maybe they don't have a lot of depth over there, so maybe that's an opportunity to go to AAA and be in that spot. Which it seems like he's describing someone he knows, is because that's very specific. It feels like he knows someone yeah. in particular is going to react in that way. Uh, but we also have started to see um, reports that pitchers aren't necessarily attracted to Philadelphia because of their pitching depth. And they don't know exactly, you know, what their job is going to be or if they're going to have to compete a lot to get the kind of innings they want to get. Uh, And it's also just really funny to me that a team presumed to run on power got booted out of the postseason due to a lack of offense and now has this reputation as the deepest pitching staff in the league. But as far as who they could, like, pick up here, I mean, the most interesting options to me from free agency are now off the board. I'm 
most surprised that it was the Angels and Pirates who were yeah. out here <laughs> scooping up these late-inning relief options, though. Yeah. The Phillies have done a great job of staying away from guys like Aroldis Chapman, who bring their history to the team, and I just prefer those guys just aren't on the team or anywhere near them, so we don't have to talk about them. Uh, I've already seen Pirates people discussing, all right, so wait, because, like, nothing good can happen to the Pirates. Their fans are like, so, like, all right, is Bednar getting traded like before the season even starts or is he an automatic trade when the trade deadline comes and that perked my ears up but they did just work out arbitration with him so i don't know if you can really expect him to move anywhere now i'll tell you what's interesting and where the phillies might be at this point john Heyman, doing his side hustle as a junior player agent intern announced that veteran closer ken giles will be throwing a bullpen friday in phoenix for any interested teams (laughs) he is said to be healthy and ready to resume his mlb career what are you medicals provided upon request he literally tweeted this (laughs) oh my god hang on a second did he literally tweet medical for ken giles are you serious i'm serious (laughs) <laughs> this is this is who we're going up against this in the best baseball against. podcast award come on <laughs> golly this is oh my gosh that's that's reprehensible i'm sorry that's that's uh, that's be, like he just copy and pasted i was gonna say uh, did he just copy and paste the email he from did yeah, it's like, crazy 100 <laughs> did that he absolutely did that. And I, I misspoke a minute ago that the Josh Hader deal is a five-year deal, not a four-year deal for, for $95 million, so not quite as much as, uh, as he was thinking. Anyway, um, yeah, the Pirates getting Chapman was crazy. The Angels uh, going for, for Robert Stevenson. And I, I just wonder, like, when you do that, what's the strategy, Liz? Like, the Angels going after Robert Stevenson there, like, I mean, I get, get, get good players, you know, go definitely sign good players. I have no problem with a team like the Angels who have, you know, obviously lost Shohei Otani, but they still have Mike Trout. Um, you know, they 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 want to still draw fans. So go out and get Robert Steele. I bet it looks like that's like the only thing you're doing. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like the Pirates, Araldus Chapman, it's a, that's great. You've got a good eighth, ninth inning combination there. I mean, and I, maybe their young players will step up and, and they'll make like an Orioles-like rise or something like that. I don't necessarily see that, but... Just it's just those two teams signing those guys. It is very interesting that that it was those two teams. I mean, they have to do something, right? Well, like they ha- I mean, the Marlins. What's I think a bad team only- like the Angels doing? Getting a top tier reliever though. Like, what's what's his job going to be? Protecting a four run deficit in the eighth. I mean, yeah, it, I don't know where. Th- yeah, I mean, you're asking why he signed. That's your question. Why did he sign there? And the. The answer is they offered him money to play for them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not yeah. going to be a great job. We all know that, but you know, like they're they're doing it because they have to do something. And signing relievers is usually a a cheap, low commitment way to do is way to appear like you're you know way to look busy. But isn't it the most famous case of wasted money? Is like a closer on a bad team like that you're just like an expensive high-end closer or on and i guess would you call him high end? i mean he's upper tier certainly he was valued uh, among late inning relievers uh, in free agency here but i guess i'm not saying why did he go i'm saying why did they go after him and i i guess you're right but i don't think they're gonna sell a lot of robert stevenson jerseys and again i think it's like uh, they consider it a waste of money to have an expensive reliever on a team that's not really expected to win a ton of games yeah and it's not a one-year deal where you're gonna flip him at the trade deadline for prospects necessarily like you've made a commitment to him for for three years you obviously and he's 31 like he's not a young guy so you hope you're getting like his his last his best last three years they must think they're closer to contending than than maybe they are that's the only thing i can think of (laughs) did the rockies do this like a couple years ago didn't they they locked up their closer for some reason they did like nothing else over the offseason but they locked up their closer right and it was just like what and he like he was also already in his 30s and like closer to the end than the beginning and Everyone was like, uh, at the end of well, the day, the, everyone was just like, all right, whatever. The Rockies were the Rockies are weird when they. Go ahead. I was gonna say the Rockies were weird when they got Chris Bryant too. Like, what was that just out of left field? You know. They that have one to I feel like is the jersey busy. seller. Yeah. They have to. You know, like they can't. Like the A's are a special case. The A's exist, but for the grace of God, every other team has to at least look like they're doing something and they have to, not every player can be out of the straight up bargain bin and they can't all be for one year deals or minor league deals with a major league option or spring training invite and whatever. Like 
if they had their way, that's all most of these teams would do if they if they if they had their way. But you know, that's why they signed a top you know a quote top tier closer wherever he might fall. Like it's they're not going to sell a lot of you know Stevenson jerseys, but Shohei Otani's out of town. They're not in the jersey selling business anymore. No, I get it, and and that's fine. You know, they can do whatever they they want to do. I just feel like if you're going to go after, if you're going to spend some money. Go, go get Cody Bellinger. I mean, go get. I mean, obviously that's a different price tag entirely. You're you're exactly. shopping in different areas of the store, but I don't know. It just it feels like window dressing to me. But it's fine. The Phillies the Phillies is. could have beaten that offer, and you know they can window dress all they want. I don't know that the fan base is going to be all that convinced. And and as far as the Phillies are concerned, there I don't really know that there's a Craig Kimbrell replacement out there anymore. Hector Neris yeah. is still out there. Um, you've got some reporting that the Yankees are sniffing around Hector Neris. Uh, he has uh, also reporting Neris has serious interest from clubs outside of New York. His asking price, according to sources, is according to SNY, is for one or two years at seven to eleven million dollars per year. That's a pretty wide range there, um, but uh, that's a reasonable asking price for Hector Neris, who has been very, very good since going over to the Houston Astros. And if you're not, if he's not your closer, then you know he can maybe even be maybe that Craig Kimbrell replacement. Um, Phil Maton's another name that people have thrown around out there. Nick Maton's brother, the guy who punched a locker after giving up a hit to his brother in the second to last game of the season and missed the Astros 22 World Series run because he broke his hand. Um, bounced yeah, back let's and get had a, him on the team. <laughs> he bounced back and had a good season in 2023. An ERA just over three. He's a he's a strikeout guy as well. So one of those two guys would work. I but you know it's not. Maybe it is. Maybe it would be as good as what Craig Kimbrell gave the Phillies last year. But I don't know. I mean, we're starting to run out of guys. And do either of those guys, Liz, excite you? Hector Neris, Phil Maton, would you make a play for 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 one of those two guys, or just kind of go with what you have and then maybe tackle it at the trade deadline? I just feel like if you don't sign somebody, you're going into the season with a weaker bullpen than you went into the season last year. And maybe that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're looking for everything to be settled, settled. And I don't know that that part of this roster is going to be settled, settled once they get into, once, once spring training starts. I think they're probably just going to, you know, stand on the lookout, see what shakes out, you know, who does well at spring training. And, you know, there's no room for them. The Phillies, I think, have had some luck with like late spring training additions um, when rosters are cut down. Mm-hmm. You know, they there's a, a carousel of guys out there. Like, I'm not saying this is the ideal situation, but the fact that they haven't signed anybody yet and all these guys are gone leads me to believe that they're not worried. I mean, yeah. this is not the panic move Phillies, and so it's not like we'd know if they were worried or not. But I also know for a... F- I mean, not for a fact, but I know in my heart that they've got plans A through Z and then they've got, you know, 1 through 100 backup, you know. They've got their plan A and then everything behind that all in succession. You know, they've got a lot... I, I, I'm confident that they have a lot of options and the fact that they haven't moved yet makes me think that they're still weighing things. They have to be. Otherwise, what are they doing? They're the not a stupid of, organization. They are doing something. The depth of that pitching staff has been one of this team's biggest strengths, and I don't know if it was particularly expected from people outside the organization. So maintaining that, I do think, is is important, and I think uh, with Kimbrell being a part of that depth for most of last year, replacing him should be important, uh, and, and, and I'm sure that's what they're thinking. And like Liz said, I'm sure there's a plan. Uh, out of those two guys you mentioned, John, people like getting players back. <laughs> Fans, yeah. People were excited when Freddie Galvis came back in 2021. If they got Hector Neris, there would be some excitement from people over that. And he's, oh, like God. you said, he's been good. <laughs> and he was better. There would be. And he was better with the Phillies than it feels like he was, even though he was frustrating at times. So out of those two guys, I would probably lean uh, closer to Hector Neris. But now for a segment I'm calling, so is this Emmanuel Classe trade happening or not? And the answer it's is not. No, no, it's not. Because it's not we kinda I kinda I looked a little below the surface on this today just to remind myself of the context <laughs> and we kinda got stuck on Class A from Cleveland as his trade target because the uh, the line's been dead all winter. What is well, this we? 
You absolutely jumped onto that bandwagon. No, Don't I mean, even I pretend. I jumped onto the bandwagon because you presented it as a bandwagon to jump on. You're so we don't say we. We don't say we this. when we're in the same place. Then that's not we. Okay. <laughs> well, while Class A is more tradable for Cleveland than somebody like Shane Bieber because his cheap deal makes him even more valuable, the said asking price for Class A is supposed to be a major league ready outfielder who can make some noise in the middle of the Cleveland order, according to Mandy Bell. And I was thinking maybe that's why Castiano's trade rumors suddenly popped out of nowhere in like earlier in the off season when class A's name was being thrown around because somebody overheard somebody and then told a reporter that they had this Castiano's trade on the table or was being considered, or he was the name that got thrown into that mix while conversations were happening behind closed doors, even though we have no idea how far any talks went or what was said, or if they even talked at all, but the guardians aren't trying to spend in free agency at all. So a trade is where they would do Anything. It's just that I, you know, knowing the asking price, it's it's just I don't think the Phillies are willing to deal who they'd have to deal to get that level of pitcher when yeah. a huge brag of theirs is their pitching depth. So I'm starting to think this offseason has, in fact, been pretty active, but just behind curtains and doors. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I and I think, too, you know, Dave Dombrowski said something just after the, the winter meetings, like I had a chance to make a trade that everybody would have said, hey, that was a really good trade, and he decided not to because he didn't want to trade away one of the young players. Like, Hang on. You're bragging about to us that you didn't make a trade that would have been really good? It was this great uh, trade, guys. You'd never believe how great this trade was. You'd never believe how great this trade was. I, of course, I turned it down. I obviously um, <laughs> didn't do the trade, but you but would have loved it you're, because you're all idiots. <laughs> that's right. I thought that was the strangest That was the strangest comment I've ever heard from a GM or, or a team president after. But he's. <laughs> I had a dream I made this awesome trade last night, you guys. It was unbelievable <laughs> stuff. I can't tell you a thing about it. Totally forgot, but I trust really? me, best trade ever. I do love that no matter how normal Dave Dombrowski seems, there's a little bit of weird there because the Phillies can't ever be totally normal. That's why he has his There's a weirdo lurking behind there, and sometimes we see him, and it's really strange. Yeah. No, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely interesting. And maybe they don't, you know, maybe Dave is thinking we've got Jeff Huffman who emerged. He's the Craig Kimbrell replacement. And they, re- I think they're putting a lot of their eggs in the Orion Kirkring basket, which, yeah, you know. I was going to say, I mean, we saw that list of non-roster invitees come out. And, you know, it's not necessarily from that list of guys, but like. They, I think, have a little more faith in their ability to find guys on the fringes or find guys on the scrap heap or find guys in a non-offensive way to describe that level of pitcher. But, like, I think they think they can find those guys now. They don't necessarily have to spend big money on a free agent reliever, which is always a risk. The biggest risk I think you can take is with a reliever on the free agent market who's owed a bunch of money. And I think they think they can, like, watch a Ryan Kirkering this spring where his job is all but guaranteed in that bullpen and or maybe find another guy among, you know, these these lesser known names that they are going to have in camp or that they have available to them or that they can acquire for very for less. So I do think they trust themselves a little more in that department. Yeah. And it could be it could be a guy who was great in 21 or 22 who took a step back in 23 and relievers are very volatile. They don't do the same things year after year. So it could be Andrew Bellotti, Connor Brogdon makes a reappearance. You know, suddenly the, suddenly one of those guys is throwing lights out in in the spring and makes the team or they they're throwing lights out in AAA in the first month. They get called up in May and like a Jeff Hoffman, it manages to earn more trust as the season goes along and becomes a really you know valuable partner so i you're right we don't have the bullpen doesn't have to be totally remade right now to get a craig kimball replacement right now jeff hoffman is probably earmarked to be that guy and then you know you have the rest of the bullpen after that and there do seem to be some other arms but um it is uh it is fascinating that there's you know watching these guys come off the market and there are a couple of guys out there i think i would prefer phil maton over hector naris at this point but again neither of those guys i don't know that either of those guys is better than what the phillies already have on hand so uh, i do think you're putting a little bit a lot of eggs in the orion kirkering basket and my I have a little bit of concern that, you know, he was uh, he was very good last year. Whether or not he can continue that here in in 2024, but the team sure seems to think so. Hey, he pitched in the postseason before he pitched in spring training for a major league team. So that's true. So he's, this should he's be got a breeze. The makeup, I'm going to say, <laughs> yeah, Clearwater should be nothing. Yeah. Um, so we've been talking about the Phillies as a fan base. We're not largely excited about what they've done this offseason, although they did land one of the big free agents this offseason, Aaron Nola. Of course, it doesn't feel like it because he's been on this team for forever, but he was a free agent. Phillies went out, beat out a bunch of teams, and landed a big fish, and they did that 
right out of the gate. So it just kind of feels like it, things have been slow and inactive, and that's true, and that's really true throughout baseball. And we were thinking to ourselves, what other fan base, other than the Dodgers, who have had the offseason of all offseasons, getting Shohei Otani and Yamamoto and, and all the other moves that they made, what other fan base, other than the Dodgers, has had an exciting offseason so far? So, uh, Liz, I don't know if you've given this any thought, thinking of the different moves that have been made. Outside of the Dodgers, what fan base do you think can sit and say, wow, we've had a pretty exciting offseason so far? Like, I, my instinct is the Yankees because the one Soto trade's pretty big. Um, but you look at the rest of the moves they've made, which are zero, really. And you have mm -hmm. to wonder how well they've set themselves up for next year, uh, for the uh, upcoming season. But this is about excitement, and that's exciting. I mean, landing Juan Soto via trade is a legitimately exciting thing. So I'll say I'll go with the Yankees. Should check in with some Yankees fans and see if they agree with you. As, like I, well, as I said, as I said, <laughs> like I'm like here's the thing: you think of a free agent who's interesting, and it's like, oh, oh, he's with the Dodgers now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, acquiring Juan Soto is a very exciting thing. I keep forgetting that the Yankees did it because their fans yes. are so miserable. About exactly, <laughs> That's oh, Brian man, Cashman. they'll just never be happy, and it's something to behold. Boo hoo! Yeah, well, I, I think if, if you're if you're not a Dodgers fan, I think I think being a Cubs fan this winter has not been too bad. Cubs Fest sounded like it went off without any kind of dramatics. The players kept coming on stage and saying how they needed to re-sign Cody Bellinger, which got everyone excited. They're probably going to re-sign Cody Bellinger. I mean, it seems like that's the fit, and all the players were openly campaigning for them. They seem like they're going to get Reese Hoskins. They're the team that gets keeps closely related uh, to, to any rumors about him. They've already got Imanaga, and at his opening press conference, he recited the lyrics to Go Cubs Go. Players seem excited really to play cute. for the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, like they seem like they seem to be attracting excited players who see kind of see something coming together there. And should they do the things they seem likely to do, they will be adding they will be keeping together a team that looked pretty spicy in 2023 for a couple of months while also adding some of the bigger names from an admittedly weaker market. But still, this past week, Buster only said on the Baseball Tonight podcast that he has been told the Cubs are going to be very active in the back half of the offseason. That is what you decide it is, now. you know, word like that. But he said, that expect to see uh, an aggressive, some aggressive Cubs moves uh, in, the, in the weeks ahead. So, I mean, you dip a toe into Cubs fandom and you'll be immediately set upon by the same frothing madmen who seem to run the discourse in every team's <laughs> comment section. But beneath that, you, I think you'll find like a vein of, of relatively good vibes in Chicago. And that doesn't make me actively upset to see Cubs fans happy, at least until they take like a single step in the direction of the wild card, at which point I will throw a scarecrow in front of their team bus and frame them for vehicular manslaughter. Um. Yeah, I can see that for sure. That's a better um, answer than which I part? The Lord. <laughs> which part can you see happening? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we even also forgot they they like snuck they, they like like a sneaky signed Craig Council. Council. Yeah, I was trying when someone was like, "Oh yeah, That's he's right. not in Milwaukee anymore," and I was like, "Yeah, where did he go?" It was really. Sneaky and underhanded, wasn't it? And then, yeah, that's right. It was the Cubs. And, yeah, they got Craig Council. That's right. So there's yeah. been some espionage, some clandestine operations coming out of the north side. And I don't know. I think I think for a team that didn't make it for the to the postseason last year but obviously has a very strong fan base and is looking to kind of resurface as uh, far as NL contention goes, I think it's been a not terrible winter for Cubs fans. I can see that. I can see yeah, that. Now I'll also, yeah. I yeah. I think that's a good. I think that's a good call. And you know, I think there's there are teams out there who are doing little things. The Tigers are adding some guys here and there. You've seen uh, the Braves getting Chris Sale. I think they feel better about themselves. I don't. I mean, they've made a lot of moves. I don't think a lot of them have really mattered a whole lot except for the Chris Sale trade. But the Chris Sale trade, I certainly think, makes their rotation better. But you know, those fans, they're not happy because of the 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 way the last two. Uh, playoffs have gone against the the Phillies they they know they're not going to be happy until they beat the Phillies in a playoff series in in 2024 or at least get past the Phillies in in 2024 so there's not much the Braves can do to really improve themselves they're already so, so darn good um yeah so there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of other teams out there I mean the Cardinals have 
I think improved their starting rotation, but I don't know how dynamic they are. I think there's just a lot of confidence that some of those guys are going to bounce back and they'll have better starting pitching in, in, a, in a division that's kind of wide open. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think the Cubs are an interesting selection, Justin. It's all in anticipation of things they will do outside of Imanaga. Um but they haven't done them yet. And I'm trying to think also, too, like, what are the most frustrated? Which fan bases should be the most frustrated by the inactivity of their teams Red Sox so far? Is Red the Sox is to the one. question. Well, I, gotta be, I, I would go the Orioles. I think the Orioles oh. have had a chance to really add, like, a, go out and get Blake Snell or add Jordan Montgomery, get Cody Bell. Like, get, you, could, you could add to this young team some some extra pieces that could really put you over the top in the American League. And no, I'm sorry, the they're too busy really going to arbitration with five of their players. And I mean, and working out of stadium deals so uh, John Angelos can build uh, crappy condos and overpriced restaurants all, all around Camden Yards. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think that's... The vibes there should be better than they than they are, than they are right now, um, and you know for for a team that made the playoffs unexpectedly last year, the Marlins being quiet and not doing anything it's not surprising, but you would think with a team that's got a pretty good young starting rotation, you know Jorge Soler is a free agent, so they've lost one really big part of their offense. They they could bring him back. I would not be at all surprised if Jorge Soler does go back to the Marlins, but that's a team that could jump in if like if they would just spend a little money and and get a couple of <laughs> get a couple of bets I, I mean i i know i know Sorry, but and, they, and i don't they really fired, they essentially told kimming her services were no longer needed because she wanted them to spend money they were yeah. they, they were about to install someone above her like they were about to just give her a boss because they didn't like her ideas so much. They wanted to force her to leave. Like, they're not that they, like Ken Rosenthal wrote today about how they've done literally nothing. They're just, yeah. they're, they've no plan. They, they don't want to do anything. They don't. They're not going to. And it's, it's, I mean, I'm, listen, they're in my division. I'm, I'm happy for them to tread water because it gives the Phillies a seemingly easier path. Uh, but uh, there's some fan bases out there. If you, as a Phillies fan, I understand some of the frustration that we're feeling. But the Phillies already have done so much of their heavy lifting in past off seasons, and there's just not a lot of places to add at this point. So they're looking for some guys who are going to be still there at the end of in, in February, maybe even beginning of March who whose prices may drop. I mean, there's still some big name guys out there who aren't signed yet and Dave Dombrowski's probably just sitting there with his hands rubbing his hands together in his bunker, you know, waiting waiting for uh waiting for something to break loose. Can I circle back to my Red Sox yeah. comment uh, as yeah. far as frustrated fan bases go and the context of this is that yeah, the fr- the Red Sox have had uh, a couple of rough seasons. Their fans are already pretty let down, and you know the team has not moved in the direction they thought they were going to. Hyam Bloom is is viewed as like, look, you can you can look at his moves as some kind of prophetic, awesome future investment. But it, at, the, at the end of the day, Mookie Betts doesn't play for the Red Sox. You know, Andrew Benintendi, Xander Bogarts, they don't play for the Red Sox anymore. So. That's all. That's clearly on people's minds. Then they hire Craig Breslow at the start of this offseason, and their chairman introduces him by saying uh, the now infamous, they're going to go full throttle uh, mm-hmm. this offseason. And then, you know, a couple months later, they check back in with him about saying, hey, you know, you guys haven't spent on anybody but Lucas Giolito. He was the only guy that showed up at like the Red Sox Winter Fan Fest thing. You know, what, what are we what are we doing here? And he was like, yeah, maybe that wasn't the most artful way of saying what I wanted to say. And at the you don't even have to know the rest of the quote to be like, oh, so that was just nothing. And you wanted to get people excited, but nothing's happening because he even goes, oh, yeah, we're going to be pressing all levers to improve the team, which means we're not going to be spending money on the people you want to have here. Right. And when people are like, so why should we come spend money to see the Red Sox? And he's like, well. It's about the Fenway experience, and we're going to have, like, specials for college kids and stuff. And you're like, the Fenway experience is the Red Sox. Stop trying to sell us on stadium experiences that aren't the baseball team. There's good food there? Great. I'd love to try it. 
when the team is watchable. Start with that. <laughs> then the experience at the stadium becomes better just because. And then they asked uh, they asked about <laughs> signing free agents. And they're like, well, we didn't really match up with any of the top free agent pitchers. Your pitching staff is terrible. Trust me, you match up with top free agent starting pitchers because you have money in your pocket and your pitching staff was among the worst in the American League. So... Yeah, I, I I gotta. It's all too easy to relate to 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 Reds fans. Just you know, it's not just that the team is bad. It's not just that the team has has been uh, paralyzed in in the off season and not signing guys they wanted. It's that the, that they have the front office and they have ownership telling them like, no, no, it's fine. Our comments from before they weren't lies. They were just different ways of telling the truth that weren't true. And you should still come to the stadium because the team is going to be there and you own some clothes that have the team name on them. So that just matches up. You guys should just come on down. And that is one of the most infuriating places to find yourself as a fan. So I'm not going to say I have sympathy for Red Sox fans, but I will say that uh, if you're trying to count the most frustrated fan bases, they must be uh, in the top two or three at least. I I didn't have all of that information. No. Fun fact about Craig Breslow, lest you think that, wow, they've they've hired a former player. Uh, He's a a Yale graduate. And so the uh, the tradition of Ivy League in the front office continues even when they hire players. Oh, Liz, somebody yelled, you're Hyam Bloom 2.0 at him. At the winter caravan. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, there there are lots of moments where I think the internet was a mistake, and I think we all would agree with that. But that there is a are moments... baseball nerd Rotten Tomato there. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that that right there is everything. That probably threw that a tomato, but it just went like it. it just went fell like twenty feet shy of the stage. Right, <laughs> so he's like, got ah, no arm. I'm gonna. So... This is now a verbal tomato. That's right. It's filled with rhetoric. That's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's uh, that's what's going on around the MLB. And yes, I said the MLB because yeah. apparently that's a big problem nowadays too. Yeah. So people are saying the MLB. So um, yeah, that's what's going on around baseball. And uh, we're kind of, again, waiting for the Phillies to do something. They may not do anything. So in the meantime, we're going to return to our choose your own adventure adventure. Uh, Justin and I were navigating our way through some mysterious some aged people playing baseball in some league, a co-ed league of some kind with some of the more fascinating names that you could ever imagine. Your and uh, we're going to, yeah. <laughs> Your school baseball team is in Our the championship game. You are a player manager now because your coach had a heart attack on the field. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. We lost. Just- our coach dropped, and then they brought him back catatonic in a wheelchair. <laughs> like minutes yeah. later. Minutes later, ahead of the ahead of the opening pitch for for inspiration. Just remind people that the the title of the book and the author list before we d- dive this back is into this. Playoff champion by Felix von Mosesker. And we we are of the belief that he's a, a local. He's a Philadelphia guy, yes, he is, and he is probably a fan of the podcast. So that's I'm gonna what we're, guess that's what if we're he's alive still is a good yeah. question because this is an old book. Uh, but yes, he is a, a graduate, also a graduate of Yale University, uh, and a lifelong baseball fan. At the start of career, he worked as a journalist for the Philadelphia Evening Bulletin, the Time Life News Service, and Life Magazine. That was a long time ago, friends. And indeed, that's why I'm questioning, <laughs> is he still alive? I will What's say that magazine? even in 1980, whenever this was written. It's it's possible sorry, he's not aware of podcasts. Yeah, it's possible he's it's possible he's no longer with us. But where did we leave off, Liz? I mean, we, we, we had to make we had a choice to make. We left off. I'm, I'm going to go through a little bit of. Uh, All right. Let's see. A recap we, we here. We're calling for specific pitches here in our match. We've got a. Uh, uh, we've got our pitcher whose name I'm sure I'll come across in this. Uh, real, cl- his Dead. name is Clinton. His last name is Clinton. Uh, but the uh, the opposing pitcher is. Uh, what's his name? It's like Trash Can Face McGee or something, <laughs> or wasn't something it? Something like that. Ru- There's a player rhubarb? name. There's a player named Rhubarb. Yes, indeed. Uh-huh. Yes. All right. Feels like there was another one, like mailbox or potato or something. (laughs) Yes, there have been some crazy ones. Roofing shingle Francis. No, that wasn't good. No. All right. That would never fly. Do you want 
58. Rimshot Johnson. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I went back through some of this earlier. Okay. Now, we've had a Tully. Tully is your uh, is your pitcher. Tully, okay. Tully is your pitcher. All right. <laughs> uh, there's a... There's a player on your team named Muskrat Henderson. Yes, we were just introduced to Muskrat Henderson, folks. And don't forget that that pain in the butt, Wendy. She's in my Wendy. ear again. I, my, I can't be responsible for my actions. She's going to be off yes. this team. Clinton is the opposing pitcher. He is very good. Your pitcher is Tully, and he is very good. What will you do? Okay. So this is where we're at, friends. All right. By the end of the eighth inning, Clinton has retired 15 of your batters in a row. As long as he's mm. on the mound, there doesn't seem to be much hope for your team. Despite your earlier optimism, nobody seems to be figuring out how to hit his vicious, his vicious pitches. Vooch, Vooch, name of the player on our team, hits a long fly ball out, a long fly out to Brenda in center field to start the top of the ninth. That brings Clinton to the plate. Since he's obviously not much of a hitter, you figure the easiest thing would be to strike him out on three straight fastballs. I think that's always the easiest thing to do. Fastballs take a lot of effort, John, and they've never been Tully's strong point. He's pitched eight long innings, and you're afraid he might be starting to tire. Mm. You signal for a fastball anyway. It goes wide. Ball one. Now you're really beginning to worry that a tiring Tully might start missing the plate if you keep asking him for fastballs. You mm. don't want to take the chance of walking Clinton with only one out and top and the top of the Pirates order on its way. On the other hand, you also don't want to risk having him get a big hit on an easier pitch. Tully is looking at you expectantly, waiting for your signal. If you mm. keep signaling for fastballs, turn to page 97. If you signal for a knuckleball instead, turn to page 88. I don't think a knuckleball is automatically more hittable the way he's describing it. Like if it's a, the point of a knuckleball is nobody knows where it's going, even the guy throwing it. And if he's tired, that's probably even more true. Also, are we not offending the catcher by having the pitcher look to us for signals? That's true. Like looking right into the dugout. Although I think we are the catcher manager, right? Oh, we're the catcher too? Yeah, we're we're in a dual role here because ah. the catcher is the manager. Remember, All right, because this makes way more sense. This makes way yeah. More when the manager keeled over, the team looked to us as the catcher and <laughs> manager because we face. Remember, we, remember, we face and see all of the players. That was the main reason. Right. That's right. And yeah. And okay. So and we can't. Right. We turn to our 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 manager, and his eyes are just rolled back in his head. You really got to get this man to the hospital. This is not where he should be. This is not okay. You cannot what, give. What you cannot no, it has been, him. by the way, two days. Two oh, days yeah, between yeah. the the uh, the game where he keeled over and pretty much almost died, and uh, just sitting in the dugout game. for two days like that. With yeah, them, I mean, you they know, slept. Just... There. What, did it rain this week? Like, come on. That's... <laughs> Good Lord. I feel like okay. we made these same jokes two weeks ago, and I'm really happy about that person. They're just as funny today as they were then. Indeed, I say um, knuckleball, John. You can out, you can you can um, over over outvote me. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking we we stick with the fastball just because a fastball is easier to control than okay. command than it. But 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 knuckleballs are more fun. And I think what we've learned from Choose Your Own Adventure is that logic doesn't win the day. So let's go knuckleball. All right. All right. Liz, so... we've gone insane. Knuckleball, <laughs> final answer. We're, we're, I know, we're, all, we're, I know our, all the endings here, so let's move forward. All right. Our fatigued pitcher Basketball is going to now throw a knuckleball. Tell him to throw it underhanded. 88. I have my, my uh, finger in the, in, the previous, in the previous section, so we uh, know where exactly we may have gone wrong in the future. All right, 88. You signal for a knuckleball. Even though he's tired, Tully's breaking stuff apparently is still good. It's so oh. good, in fact, that Clinton misses oh. the knuckler by about a foot. He oh. looks so Save your career, kid. <laughs> he looks so ridiculous that you can't resist calling for another one. Clinton Uh-oh. swings, and it looks as if he's going to miss it again. But at the last instant, the ball takes a dive right into his bat and flies into oh, left no. for a freak single. You frown. Things aren't looking good. Santucci is coming to the plate. You call for the knuckler again. 
Zetushi takes a ferocious cut and slams a long high one over Cecil's head in left field. Clinton comes to score the first run of the game, and Zetushi holds mm. up with a triple. It's okay. one nothing. I got a wave of a, I'm throwing a penalty flag here. I didn't decide to th- tell him to throw three straight knuckleballs. I decided yeah. to tell him to throw that one knuckleball once. Yeah, I did but, not agree and, to the rest of this. But this is this is what would have happened after. Yeah. Yeah. This is our subconscious. Um, it, it's all factoring into it. Like, you know, we're on autopilot here. The uh, outcomes I, are already predetermined here. Your choice is the only thing that matters. <laughs> dang it. So, All we right, lost. so that's so it's one. Is it over? Well, it's no, not over. No, it's the there's still more to read. You pull oh, Tully and replace him with your best relief pitcher. Oh, God, Wishbone Walker. Mm. Yeah, I wish we had put Wishbone in before asking our fatigued pitcher to throw knuckleballs. But you know. what's the story, Wishbone? Uh, Wishbone retires, turn on an infield fly, and strikes out uh, Mirtha. Then he walks Biner on purpose to pitch to Scover. Scover hits it to a force, and you go to the bottom of the ninth. Turn to page mm. 79. Let's turn to page 79. We're I'm doing it. Good. How are we feeling about this? How are we, Justin, how are we feeling about this? Were you, I, I, feel like, I feel like we can still mount a comeback here. It's just one run. Okay, I was going to ask, what is the score? But okay, it's just one run. One um, nothing, yeah. one All right, nothing. well, this is going to take us getting something right here. And mm-hmm. yeah, apparently, remember, we're not just choosing in the moment. We're choosing every moment that follows that moment. So just keep that in mind, John. <laughs> This is it. It's now or never if you want to win this game. All you need are two runs, but that seems impossible as long as Clinton is still on the mound. What's the point? Mm. Wendy's just going to screw it up anyway. (laughs) I think it's Brenda you're thinking of. What are we going to do? It's not looking good here. TT comments as Brian heads out to bat. You shake your head. Let's just hope we get (laughs) it. Let's just hope we get a hit. (laughs) Great job, dude. Uh, But you don't. Clinton strikes oh, no. out Brian in, on three pitches. Wendy is oh, there is a Wendy. Wendy is up There's next, Wendy. and in this, and the same thing happens to her. She's a loser. Yeah. I know. I know what to expect <laughs> from Wendy. I know yeah. the names of the players on my team. This is not news to me. <laughs> oh. Just, Justin had her number from the start. Just yeah. wait here. She's she trouble. stomps back into the dugout, looking disgusted. I can't believe none of us can get a hit, she says. Yeah, we're all her. disgusted, we're and pathetic. you were the only one with the bat out there. That wasn't a wee thing. That was you. Get on the bench. I hate her face. <laughs> no, we're not, you say. We're not pathetic. Watching as Clinton strikes out Brenda to end the game. There's Whoa. not a kid. <laughs> There's not a kid. Keep Get ready. There's not a kid our age who could hit against Clinton. He's got an amazing future ahead of him if he stays in the game. And you're right. The next day, newspapers all over the country are full of accounts of Doorknob Clinton's incredible game. He eventually goes on to the major leagues and has a sensational career, leading the Philadelphia Phillies to three consecutive World Series victories. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this this outcome. (laughs) This is actually the most positive ending i think we could have gotten if it just takes the dignity of several children to get the phillies to a dynasty i think three we'd all make that consecutive deal. all right do we want to go back to uh page 73 and signal for a fastball instead yeah, let's let, let's see what would have happened if we'd chosen door number one yeah all right you signal for another fastball and tully burns one in low and inside clinton takes a strike your mind wanders as you signal for the third fastball. You're trying to remember who's going to lead off for your side in the bottom of the ninth. Did the I pitch comes. Iron on. <laughs> <laughs> the pitch comes. In. Pitch comes in and Clinton smacks it into deep right field. You can't believe your eyes. TT is playing a little shallow, and you and you can tell he can't believe it either. In fact, he's so surprised when the ball sails over his head that he trips over his own feet and falls as he's turning around to chase it. Clinton sees oh, TT fall as he's rounding first, and he puts on a burst of speed. He's on his way to third before TT gets the ball and throws. Clinton looks like he might just beat the ball to third, but then he makes the clumsiest slide you've ever seen. He starts too early and doesn't tuck his lower leg quite right. The slide peters out about a foot from the bag. And Muskrat oh. actually has to reach forward to tag him out. What an incredible blunder. I mean, that, that, that was a journey. That had nothing to do with the pitch we chose. <laughs> what happened to no. that play? Like, okay. 
That was definitely uh, not what I was thinking was going to happen with the fastballs. Yeah, when we went to fastball, I was like, all right, well, he's probably expecting it, and, and you know, he's, he's gassed. And then the play's like, oh, yeah, fastball had nothing to do with it. It was all like this wacky defensive play that happened uh, in the field. But okay, hey, now we're here. What an incredible blunder. Clinton never should have tried to take third. What's more, when he gets up, he's limping. The Scarborough manager rushes out to the field. Clinton limps around in circles a bit, trying to walk it off, but it doesn't get any better. They're going to have to replace him. This could be just the break your team is looking for. Turn to Guys, page we just 30. cost the Phillies three straight three World Series. <laughs> I, I was just thinking that. Oh, I was just thinking boy. that. Uh, we're never going to live this now down. We're gonna have to, we're going to have to fight this other manager now, too. We're just kids, so somebody get on my shoulders, and um, whoever's got the strongest <laughs> forearms, let's get out there. Mm-hmm. That would be me. All right. That's Wendy. The next batter for Scarborough is Santucci, but all he can manage this time is the long fly to Cecil in left field. The side is over. The new pitcher for Scarborough is named Lionel Bax, B-A-X. He's got a good curve, but he's no Clinton. As if to prove that point, Brian takes the first pitch and smashes a hard liner right over Santucci's head. Out in right field, Turner takes two steps and snags the ball easily. It's an easy out for Scarborough, but it certainly is a relief to see a well-hit ball after eight innings of frustration. The trouble is, the bottom of the order is coming up with one out. Wendy is up next. She can hit with the best of them on a good day, but it hasn't nope. been a very good day for her so far. No, she's a, she's a fraud. Complete fraud. I, I Honestly, I PEDs. I've suspected them all season. <laughs> sure enough, she strikes out. But then Brenda surprises everybody by smacking a sizzling single into the gap between first and second. Sizzling single, Brenda. Thank you. I don't know. You are pathetic. You're the pathetic one. Everyone else can hit the ball. It's just you. Don't bring all the rest of us into this. All right. Muskrat is up next with a runner on base and two outs. Bax walks him, anticipating the bottom of the order. Tully is due up next. You turn to Fargo Yates. I'm sending Uh, you in to bat for Tully. You think you're ready? Turn to page 21. Okay. (laughs) Fargo's face lights up. Cool. I'm plenty ready to win this baby and go down and pitch hit and hit. Go down and pitch hit and history. Our little Del Unsery love it. I'm not buying this. I'm not buying this. Let's go with somebody else. Oh, my God. He jumps to his feet, almost tripping over reserve infielder Dabney Chu's feet. Oh, does Dabney have a bat? Get him in there. I don't like this. Yeah. Hey, this Dabney, amigo, where's my lucky bat? This oh, my God, I hate Fargo this. Fargo Yates. Yeah. His name is Fargo Yates. Fargo, and he tells Fargo Dabney Chu, C-H-U, hey, Dabney, amigo, where's my bat? This guy's going to be wind up, like, drafted by the Phillies and, and like, costing them three straight playoff appearances. This is what we've done. This is what we have wrought. I know. Uh, I'm sorry, Philadelphia. I really, truly am. I I don't know what to say. He digs we've, we've ex- deprived you all of doorknob. <laughs> doorknob. He digs through the pile of extra bats until he finds a bright blue aluminum one with a wildly patterned purple and green grip. Aha, here it is. He grabs the bat in both hands and rushes out of the dugout. You glance at Dabney and laugh, shaking your head. Fargo is a real character. He's also an instinctive hitter. But he doesn't have much baseball sense. What? Those <laughs> begins... things don't make sense together. <laughs> Thank you. It's one or the other. Thank this guy's you. the best baseball player I've ever seen. He just doesn't understand the game at all. <laughs> He's just never played before and isn't wearing a uniform. <laughs> He's actually a manatee wearing a hat with a jersey. I right. love the head coach. Is it okay if I play in jeans? <laughs> If the game goes to extra innings, you'll have to send in your reserve pitcher, Wishbone Walker. Still, all you need to win is one run. You hope Fargo can deliver. I do. On Bax's second pitch, Fargo smacks a beautiful single to right. Brenda sees her chance and dashes home from second as if her life depended on it. Muskrat it makes it to third. The crowd goes wild. The score is tied. Yes. Ooh. I knew we, I, I knew fastball was the right decision, Justin. We did it. Fargo, I've always been a fan, and I've believed in him from day one. Cecil is up next. If anyone can do it right, he can. He smacks the line drive to shallow right. Turner races in and grabs it on one hop. It's a single, and Muskrat scores. Everyone leaps up and piles out of the dugout to celebrate. 
Out on the base path, Fargo begins doing an exuberant victory dance. Everyone thinks you've won the game, but something is wrong in your mind. You're not sure what it is until you see Turner sneaking toward Fargo, who didn't bother to touch second when he saw the winning run come in. Suddenly you realize that the run doesn't count if the third out in the inning is a force out. And since Fargo never bothered to touch second, he could still be forced. Oh, Fargo. I'm going to shoot this kid to Fargo. Is the, what, uh, is the decision which piece of equipment we want to hit him <laughs> with for ruining this? Now we don't even get the momentary joy of, of, of victory today while the Phillies enter a new era of doom. We, we have to, because this kid can't touch second. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You scream at him, but the noise is too great and he doesn't hear you. When Turner finally tags him, Fargo just keeps dancing. He doesn't even realize he's out. The second base umpire, who's been following everything in spite of the wild celebration, has to tap the dancing Fargo on the shoulder and tell him that he's out and the run doesn't count. When Fargo realizes what has happened, he collapses onto the ground, looking as if he's going to cry. The rest of you feel the same way. The anticlimax was just too much of a blow. As if sensing your demoralization, Scarborough strikes in the top of the 10th for two quick runs. Before your team can get it together, you're down 3-1. You recover enough to score a run in the bottom of the inning, but the deficit is just too much to overcome. You lose 3-2. The end. Wow. So which one's so, the so happy I guess ending? We, I guess there we made the seven, right choice. There's 17 endings to this. So we were just down a path where neither yeah, ending. We could you made a it. choice earlier that led you to an inevitable loss no matter what. Yeah. Baseball is futile. Please enjoy well, <laughs> I guess next time we'll have to go back to an earlier choice and go from there. That's yeah, um, yeah. Because talk I, about demoralized. Wow. <laughs> I, so it really is kind of depressing that no matter what pitch we called, it was the wrong choice. And I can't yes, wait to be mad pitch. at kids for yeah. things they did in other timelines that I remember, but to them have never happened. I will. True. I'm going to hold this against Fargo in every reality. That's right. If Fargo comes up again in an earlier choice, makes it back to the game, we already know his his pattern, right? Yeah. These kinds of guys, they don't change their stripes mid-story. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it can't be trusted. Well, well that I'm was gonna, um, that... I'm going to mark it up a little bit, and maybe next week we can go back a little further and try again. Let's try again. Let's go back a little bit further next week, and we'll try again. Um, I think that's I think that's good, uh, and. You know, let's see if we let's see if we can get a happy ending here. You say there's 17 happy endings. Let's see if we can snag one of those bad boys. I mean, technically, we've well, already had one. Yeah, the <laughs> three Phillies World Series Clinton with doorknob three was, was pretty good. Uh, you know, we'll take that. But you know, the 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 doorknob World Series run was certainly good. But I think we can do better. <laughs> um, all right, let's wrap up this podcast with some final thoughts. Justin, any final thoughts from you? Two things. Uh, one. Embiid wound up scoring 70 points, and oh when they God. dumped a bunch of water on him after the game uh, in celebration while he was giving an interview, uh, someone referred to that as getting daycared. Uh, the 76ers' Twitter feed did. And I thought that was uh, – that that we're using that term that way now I think is is excellent. Um, it says a lot about me as a fan. That it was Tyrese Maxey was among the guys who did it. Yeah. yeah. My assumption was that you were about to say he slipped on the water and his hip is injured again. <laughs> No, because we picked fastball. Uh, Embiid did slip on some water decades later and hurt himself. Yeah. Uh, The other thing I want to say is, in addition to the Dirty Inning being one of the uh, podcasts up for Best Baseball Podcast, along with this podcast, uh, there's also a new episode of the Dirty Inning on manager George Stallings' last day as the Phillies manager in 1898 and the many parallels he shares with Nick Sirianni and his situation with the Philadelphia (laughs) Eagles. So we will have we will also have another episode up this week for patrons only. The George Stallings episode is available for all. I love it. Patreon.com slash hit and seasons where you can go to find that fine podcast. Make sure you bookmark it and uh, check it out every time there's a new podcast available. Liz, final thoughts from you. Uh, if you don't call this episode the Ballad of Doorknob Clinton, I feel as if I've done something to offend you. All right, the Ballad of Doorknob Clinton it is. I don't know that I would have gone there. I love it, though. The Ballad of Doorknob Clinton. doesn't have to be the People only be like, title, but... 
No, people, I'm, that's what it's going to be. And people are going to be like, what the Good. hell is Doorknob Clinton? It's the off season. What are we, yeah. Why are we fighting for SEO? What are we doing here? The entire that's episode right. should have just been Philly's recipes and choose your own adventure. In the description, you can say that we figured out who the Phillies have to sign to win three World <laughs> Series titles in a row. <laughs> Doorknob Clinton, baby. Just simple decisions can bring great things. Um, all right, everybody, look, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. And uh, we want to, again, encourage you to sp- go to sportspodcastgroup.com where you can vote for the Dirty Inning or this podcast, Hit and Season, for Best Baseball Podcast of 2023. Sportspodcastgroup.com is where that's located. And, and uh, as we mentioned, uh, the Dirty Inning and Absolutely Hammered are over at our Hit and Season Patreon. Patreon.com slash Hit and Season is the URL for that. And uh, want to also send you over, and just let's pile up these URLs for you, billypen.com slash Hit and Season. And that's our home for Hit and Season over at Billy Penn, the fine Philadelphia website uh, that you, I'm sure, hit every day for the best news in the city. Again, billypenn.com slash Hit and Season. That's our homepage there. It's where you can find uh, the articles that we write to accompany these podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hit and Season. Hit and Season.